Welcome back to Globe Thotting. This week is, again, very special because we have an icon. We have a terminal illness influencer. Hello. It's very exciting. You are many things. <laughs> now you can add terminal illness influencer to your roster. Yeah. Stand-up comedian, actor, general joy to be around, and honestly, sex icon. Wow. How did I get that one? It's the, it's the porn stash for me. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Alex Hooper, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming. I'm very glad to be here. Um, I'm glad you're here, and I want to let you talk about it, but you have, you have recently announced something that you're going through that yeah. is pretty intense, and so... I'm going to let you announce that, and then we're going to talk a bit, a little bit about that, and then we'll get to the fun stuff, too. You know, a lot of people who travel might be dealing with. So, what are you, what's going on in your life these days? Let's see. I mean, I got married in April, and that was beautiful. My girlfriend and I of 15 years uh, finally did the deed down in Mexico, and um, Puerto Vallarta had 60 of our friends and family there, and it was Fantastic. And uh, then around that time, I started noticing some enlarged lymph nodes that weren't going down. Started getting tests in June, and only about three weeks ago found out I have stage 3 Hodgkin's lymphoma. Wow, men will really do anything to get out of marriage, huh? We are partying. Mazel tov! I know! Here's hoping you get an overall deal with HBO, with Netflix. It's like a wedding gift from the universe, you know? They're like, hey, I know life's really good right now. Do you mind if we just shake it up a little bit for you? Do you think that your girlfriend was like, are you fucking kidding me? Or your wife now was like, are you fucking kidding me? I waited 15 years for you to fucking marry me. Yeah, see, that's exactly You put a ring on it, and now... What the fuck? Well, I was the one who never wanted to get married. And then she was like, after a certain point, we started talking about having a family. And she's like, well, I would like to get married if we're going to go that route. And I was like, okay, I can get myself there. And literally as soon as I did it, here we are. So So maybe you were right all along. I could have been. Yeah. I'm really sorry you're dealing with it. You know, Alex announced this on Instagram slash YouTube. Yeah, it's public knowledge. Everybody was like... Not you. Not, like, not you. Like, you're, like, the biggest ray of sunshine. Like, the sweetest guy. Like, just such a joyful person. And only people who suck should get cancer. You'd think so. But unfortunately, uh, cancer doesn't really take your personality into account. Yeah. Or, you know, your past uh, accomplishments or even your just general demeanor. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, that's what most people say. They're like, not you. What? How could you get it? And I'm like, I think anyone can get it none of us are immune right it's not doesn't like choose i mean ugh, you'd wish uh based I, on, based on yeah. your shitty personality how are you feeling like what's what is the initial like it's pretty new yeah how are you feeling like where are you at with that right so now? right now i'm pretty good because so three over three months to diagnose it yeah that's the worst part i'm seeing specialists i'm going to doctors i'm having tests blood work mri ct scans pet scans uh bone marrow aspirations like a uh, neck biopsy like all of that is 
beats you down. Exhausting. Because you don't know what's happening. Nobody will really tell you. Everything is maybe this, maybe that. And it, you can't really plan your life because you don't know what's happening. And I was feeling very tired. Not, not like sickly, but just depressed and not well, which is a way I, I had – severe depression when I was growing up. I thought I handled most of it by the time I was like 21, 22. Yeah. And uh, when this happened, it just came raging back. And it had been that way for months. And I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And I was like, I don't feel like myself. I'm not creative. I'm uninspired. And honestly, when they told me you probably have cancer, I was like, oh, well, that's that's actually kind of comforting. It was a relief. Well, because Because you were like, I don't want to be depressed. I thought my brain was just going, we don't really feel like trying anymore. So you're going to have to deal with this in this other way. Not actually having a physical ailment that was bringing me down. That makes sense. So I was like, oh, so I can take care of this and I'll probably get back to my normal sprightly self. And hopefully that's the case. But honestly, once they said it's, it's Hodgkin's lymphoma, even stage three, which means it's advanced. So basically the stages are like an advancement. Like, and because I have it everywhere. It's in my neck. It's in my armpits. It's in my pelvis. There's like tumors floating around you right now. You have dick cancer? No, it's not not in my dick. In my pelvis area, though. Oh, pelvic area. It's like area. creeping in. Yeah, I mean, I figure like it's the like tumors. It's like a pervy form of cancer. Kind of like that. I think of it like a lazy river. There's just a bunch of floats just kind of making their way around oh me right God. now. But the park is closed. So they're in there and off season um holy shit <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's just like okay there's a 95 percent cure rate for someone in my condition my age for this type of cancer okay don't tell the networks that i know no 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 no. they don't get to know that no, uh, no don't tell the networks let no, them know it's time is of the essence give you that special now for sure yeah i have to it's not a make-a-wish because i've earned everything that i've ever um, gotten no one would ever call it a make-a-wish no you've been at this game for how many years 13 yeah you've earned your special regardless but now yeah. it might light a fire under these fucking schlubby execs who sit you know take their sweet ass time yeah i mean really ham it up really ham up like you know, oh for sure I'm, i might die next week you guys want to you know we, we have to record this now you yeah, know? that's exactly how i'm playing it i'm like, so proud i, I honestly i'm so proud of you thank you it's it's honestly it's it's inspiring it it's, really is the way i deal with everything is i make jokes about it yeah. whatever is scary in my life or uncomfortable i make jokes to you know diminish that feeling of fear and with this I'm doing the exact same thing and people some people like get very uncomfortable because they're like I'll see you soon I'm like or maybe you won't (laughs) and they're like don't do that man and I'm like I appreciate that I feel like you know what's really cool about the way you announced it was like you were like don't feel bad for me and honestly like you're a roast comedian type of guy you know and like you talk shit and like you were like don't stop talking shit with me Make those jokes. Make those dark jokes. Like, that's helpful. And you don't want yes. people to start babying you and making you feel like, like I don't know, like pitying you. You want people to no. still, like, call you a little cancer piece of shit or whatever. Yes. You know, like, like, Pete Lee called me Pignataro, and I think that's great. You know, things like that. I think that's and great. that's the thing is, like, this is part of my story now, and I don't want any – I want – Empathy is fine. Yeah. Sympathy, pity. How are you? Yeah. Don't fucking do that to me. Yeah. Like, I'm a strong-willed individual who just happens to be going through something that is very scary to most people, including myself, although I'm pretty much over the fear part of it. Right. Like, I'm not scared of it anymore. Um, uh, but 
yeah, what the fuck else am I supposed to do? Like, yeah. I have to just keep living my life as normal. I, that's the thing is people, they, they think you're like, are you going to be okay? It's like, what do you want? I'm like, what do you want to do? It's like, I want to do stand up comedy. I want to go to concerts. I want to live my fucking life. I want to play tennis. I want to live my life. What are you talking about? Right. That's what you, so I think people it. just don't know, like, what, you know, at the same time, other people might be like, don't make jokes. It's, everyone's different. Sure. You're a stand up, you're a, a monster. Yes. So you want a this literal shit. monster. Yeah, you're a literal monster monster and you know i think it's context some people might be more precious about it and it is it's a, it, cancer has affected people in different ways people have lost parents grandparents siblings yeah so it's it is sensitive and i don't want to i don't want to make light of cancer but i think like anything to like you're saying anything terrible that you're going through what are you gonna do you could cry about it or you can make jokes about it and try to find the levity and well, I, my stepmom died of cancer she died she was super healthy took amazing care of herself and died i think it 54, 55 from, from breast cancer. And the thing is, I know, because I'm already talking about it a ton in stand-up on stage and stuff right. like that. I know there are going to be a few people along the way that audience members that are going to shut down, say, no, 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 I can't listen to this. This is like, maybe they lost their their son six months ago to this. It's too much. It's, yeah. It is too much. Yeah. But the other thing is, it's going to heal people in other ways. And the fact is, what I've always tried to do with my stand-up is have this kind of healing factor within it that I am making fun of very dark subjects, but coming from a place of pure love. Yeah. And this is what I'm going to do with this too. Because the thing is, cancer is so... Every single person is affected by it. There's not one person who doesn't know somebody in their life who's either going to have it, going to go through it, or something like that. So this is relatable. And to watch someone on stage announce that they basically are, like, dying in front of them, I'm not. Obviously, we're all dying a little bit, right? Yeah. But people get scared and right. uncomfortable. But then to watch them slowly turn as I keep making jokes about it, kind of beautiful i think it's dope and i think you're very strong and cool and also still a piece of shit yeah thank um, you. that's yeah. what i need no worries um okay well we're gonna talk more about that in the episode but first i always like to start my episodes with um some icebreaker questions okay and i am dying to know and i think we all are dying to know what is your most epic diarrhea story while traveling who? Uh, you look like a guy who shits. So I can. I, I, I look forward to this. I answer. think I shit pretty well. Um, Thailand, which you know they call it the Bangkok handshake. Uh, if you ever go to Southeast Asia. It's pretty much gonna happen to mm. you. So, but what's really funny though is, so I. I, like I got to the point where I was I wasn't vomiting but I was just shitting and it was just pure liquid and I remember being at an elephant sanctuary one where you actually get in the river and you get to bathe elephants mm -hmm. and that day during lunch I went to the bath we had a 45 minute lunch I went to the bathroom nine times in that 45 minutes just back and forth back and forth and I was so uncomfortable and I'm just thinking like God what am I gonna do and my girlfriend wife now like she's she's like Alex you might have to stop eating Thai food. And I was like, I will fucking die before I stop eating Thai food in Thailand. No, that's not an option. 
Funny enough, she was constipated for six days and was not shitting at all. So we had the exact opposite problem. I was in the bathroom. Because the Thai food, like, she, her, like, Thai food made her not shit? And it yeah. Made you, okay. But eventually she did turn. And once that constipation stopped, she was out of both ends. And I was luckily only out of one. But it was just so bizarre because she was not using the bathroom at all and I couldn't get out of there. So, you know, you go to the, when you go, have you been to Southeast Asia? I lived in India for a while. Okay. When you go to like a pharmacy or whatever, you basically just go there as a white person. You point to your tummy and go, meh. And they go, okay, here are the pills. They know what, they know what's wrong with you. Yeah. And, you basically just suck it up and you just try to hold it in and try to just, anytime you see a bathroom, you go. But man, I remember walking through the streets of Chiang Mai and I was looking for a pharmacy and I, I almost had to just sit in the middle of the street. And Chiang Mai is a beautiful city. I don't think anybody would have been too upset with me if I had done that, but it's still, I didn't want to. How long did it last for? Um, A solid four to five days of a, of a, 12, a 10 to 12 day vacation did you get like abs from it i wouldn't say i got abs but i definitely like i mean it was like it was the kind of diarrhea where you're just sweating yeah you're just on the toilet and you feel like you're just chugging water yeah. because it's just you're losing it so quickly it's the type of diarrhea where you're like i'll convert to another religion yeah. i will start praying to a god i don't even believe in or know and i will convert to another religion to make this stop it's terrifying to yeah. get off the toilet yeah. because you know the second you stand up and walk somewhere else you're going to need another toilet it's so bad and eventually i like i did get over it there was i'm glad i got over it in the, in the very first part of our trip because it was like the first four or five days because the second part was when we were on down in the islands and like i don't want to be in that crystal clear warm water just sh- having to shit yeah like, you're trying to like you're like why am i not in the murky waters for this yeah exactly when i'm in like the most beautiful pristine water everyone will see every little Driblet. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And then there was a night when I tripped on acid, like out there, and I was like, "Thank God it wasn't." I I don't think I could have tripped on acid had I been still been going through that diarrhea period because that would have been. I mean, I would have been like, "All of my emotions are coming out with it." It would have been like essence. ayahuasca. <laughs> have you done ayahuasca? Yeah, I have. I didn't puke. Oh my god, I puked so hard. I puked so hard that I was like. I was out of breath. I, I like, couldn't catch my breath. I was puking so hard. That was a lot of people in my group. That scared me. That, that scared me. Yeah, there's a lot of people in my group that had that. I didn't puke. I had a different purge. My body had a very intense vibration for 15 to 20 minutes where it was literally like, like I thought I was having a heart attack. Really? And I just breathed my way through it silently. I never asked for assistance from the shamans or anything like that. I just breathed my way through it and they were like, oh, that was your purge. Like the next day, they were when I explained it, they were like, that was your body shaking whatever it was That's out so of you. so interesting. I, I, ha- I puked a lot and I also was crying, but it was like not salty tears. Like, it was just, like, water coming out of my eyes. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, like, I wasn't, I don't know, I just kept feeling, like, water, and I would, like, taste it, because I was like, is this, am I crying? And it was, like, not salty. Interesting. But so much water coming out of my eyes. I mean, who it was knows crazy. Was in there? I mean, something had to be released. I mean, that's... Wild. That's what... Uh, ayahuasca, And I kept like, feeling myself up. The whole time, I was... Yeah. I literally... I, people probably thought I was, like, masturbating. Because I, <laughs> I was... I was, 
like laying there and I was like feeling my body and I was like, oh God, my body is so hot and fabulous. Because like I went in there, it was for eating disorder recovery. Okay. And so I went in there and they were like, what's your intent? You know how they like, oh, everyone's like, what's your intention? Whatever. So I was like, oh, I want to like further my healing and my anorexia recovery. And so I'm laying there and I guess like that's, you know, you're putting that in the, into the experience sure. and I'm laying there. I swear to God, I, if you had looked at me from like, if somebody else was like not tripping, I was, it looked like I was fully figuring myself. Cause I was just like all up in it. Like, yes. Ooh, yes. Like feeling up my ass, feeling my boobs. And I was just like in it completely unaware of everybody else. I'm not surprised. I mean, it was pretty chill. It's otherworldly yeah. what you're going through and you've never felt expe like this sensation in your body before. I was silent for six hours both times that I did it and to the point where like the my the guy that was sitting next to me was like you were like the best partner I've ever had sitting next to me through this you didn't do anything and I told my wife that and she was like oh that's when you were silent the one time in your life you didn't fucking talk is like when you're doing that six hours you didn't talk I was like nope at least you know it worked how yeah. do you uh what's like the best place you've ever done uh psychedelics I mean, that, that co-PP in Thailand was pretty amazing because this monsoon, I was doing it with like my wife and a couple friends, this monsoon rainstorm opened up on us and we were, it's co-PP is an island where there's no cars, there's no roads. So you can tra traverse the island in about 30, 35 minutes. We were all the way on the other side of it, tripping our faces off and this monsoon rain opened up and there was no, nowhere for us to go nowhere so all we could do because we didn't want to be like in a restaurant or something because we were tripping we didn't we tried that and we were like no this is a mistake people tried to serve us food and we were like yeah, yeah, yeah no. so we just danced in the rain and we were like it was it was that perfect wet warm rain wet rain <laughs> Wait, you ever heard of it um but it was that warm tropical rain where we were like dancing and laughing and then we'd look at each other and stop and be like Oh, this is kind of sucks though, right? Eh, whatever. What are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it was just, it was such a wonderful experience overall to go through it. And we were just giggling and just happy. And it was just, it was beautiful. That's, that's dope. Okay. My second opening quest is what is the most insane fight you've gotten into with someone while traveling? And if you haven't gotten in a fight, it could be something that just annoys you. I mean, like... If you're very close with someone and you don't get in a fight while you're traveling, I don't think you're as close as you think you are. Fair point. Um, because I think you can be real with each other. And I mean, there was a time when in Argentina, when my wife and I, I really wanted to go to this club, but we were having this at this dinner that was taking too long because it was like a 13 course, like amazing meal. And we were so stuffed and I still wanted to go to this club and she didn't. And we were just fighting and arguing in this restaurant over this beautiful meal about what we were going to do. And eventually, like, we almost, like, just, like, she was, like, I was, like, fine, I'll go there. You just go back to the Airbnb. I don't care. And we got, it got to the point in our fight where we're not going to separate ourselves in a foreign country. Like, we're here together. It's right. just the two of us. So we did, like, after enough arguing and crying, and we did get over it. I mean, we had a fight like that in Thailand, too, where, where was, it was our second night there. And the first night, she... Uh, uh, she was really tired, didn't want to have sex. Second night, she was like, I'm just not in the mood. And I was like, what are we doing? We're, in, we're on vacation. We're in another country. If not now, then when? She's like, I can't just turn it on. And it's just like, well, what are we doing? What? And it was just like, I remember it was like a brutal 
Oh my god, that's a good answer because I feel like no no one's brought sex up yet in we travel and it's like there's so much pressure to have vacation sex. Yes, there is. When you go on a trip with your partner, and I think sometimes that alone turns people off. Knowing you're supposed to, like for me, it it's pressure of any kind. It doesn't even have to come from my partner. Like knowing I'm supposed to be turned on right now or supposed to want to have sex right now yeah. makes me not want to have sex. But there is this whole thing of like, wait, we're here. This is supposed to be the time where you're like, it's hot. It's the hottest. We could do some weird shit. It could be For like. sure. So like, what what do you do in those? I mean, you don't want to pressure someone, but we, you also like. It was, this, it was the kind of thing where we had to just ha- duke it out basically between us of like, of, of her saying like, you, I can't. I can't have you pressuring me. Yeah, however, like I also need to get myself to a point where I understand your needs too. That we're on this vacation together. We're in these lavish hotels. Like, yeah, I want to smash you against the window overlooking a park and like fucking press your head against it from behind. And even if it's just not that. And then the thing <laughs> is, once you get it, but once you get there and you do talk about it and then you do basically finally like the pressure's off you just do it then you realize oh yeah i forgot i love this person and we enjoy fucking each other so it was just kind of like a weird it's there is that like you said it's pressure right it's yeah, like yeah it's like and if you're not you're like wait is our relationship not going well because we don't even want to fuck each other on vacation right like there's just so many things that you can put on your relationship that might not even be there. It's just like, I'm just not in the mood today. It's I've been walking around. It's hot. I've been looking at stuff. I'm, I'm tired. On my I'm on my period. Like, I'm always on my period. You seem like you're always on your period. Yeah. I, I just think like, it's such a weird thing. Like we, I just went on a trip with my boyfriend and it's like the whole time I was thinking like, if we don't have sex on this trip or if we don't have sex, like in the first few days, like, is that, does that mean something? But it's like, if we don't have sex every single day at home, I don't know why it would be different for us to have sex every single day on vacation. Yeah, we're like once or twice a week at home. Like, I think probably once a week is probably a good average for us. When we are on vacation, it's probably every other, other day, day yeah. or something like that, which is way more than usual. Yeah. Because we've also, like, again, I remember somebody once said to me, they're like, man, you only have sex with your wife once a week? That's sad. And I was like, you're not in a relationship, are you? And they were like, no. And every other person that was, it was like, you don't. You don't understand. <laughs> I, you, it's truly, and I feel like sex. Okay, I know some couples that have sex all the time, and I know some couples that have sex very rarely, and both will tell you they have a great sex life. And so I don't think there is like a number. Like people always want to know how often should I be having sex with my partner? That is, means it's healthy, and it's like as many times as you both are happy with. Yeah. Like if you're both satisfied, you're having sex plenty. So I think like everyone has all these stories and expectations about how much sex you're supposed to be having, when you're supposed to on vacation, traveling, whatever. It's like, remember, you maybe you're eating more. Maybe you have diarrhea in Thailand and you're not trying to take it up the ass For sure. when a lot's coming out your ass. Yeah. You know? Or maybe you're sunburned and you're not trying to get slammed up against the wall because you're ouchy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe I mean, there's I will some say, other factors going on. Yeah, and there's other times on vacation where we're fucking three times a day. Right. Just because some something is, we're both in that place, but you can't go on vacation going, it will happen every single day, multiple times, in the backseat of a taxi cab, whatever. Like, you can't. Because as soon as you put expectations into anything, then you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. 
Okay, but if you went on a vacation with, the, like, Love Your Life, and it was supposed to be this, like, very romantic thing, and you guys didn't have sex one time, I, would you be disappointed? Yes, I would. I'm sure I would. Yeah. Well, if, if I was, if especially if it was a romantic vacation, yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. Be, uh, because, honestly, like, sex is an important part of a couple's intimacy. Right. And if you're not doing that... If and if there's no extenuating circumstances such as one of you is injured, you're in pain, you're, you're sick, on your period, whatever. Yeah. exactly. If there's just if it's just like no, we're just not doing that right now. It's kind of like well, what I do kind of think well, why? Like so then, what would you do? On, let's say you're on a vacation. You're with your wife on a vacation, and it doesn't have to be romantic or not. Just it's on a vacation, right? You're on a week long thing, and it's getting to the end, and you guys haven't se- haven't had sex one time. What do you do in that situation to not put pressure, but make sure that you guys do tend to that part of your relationship? I think I tend to her needs. Like, I try to step up and just be, I'm not like, hey, can we go in there? Can we go in the bedroom? What are we doing? What are we doing? I try to be like, hey, like, why don't, like, can I go out and get us, can I go out and get us some food? Can I treat you to something? Can I buy us tickets to something? Can I do something that will, in, that will look make you look at me like, oh yeah, this is a good person and I love this person. He takes care of me. Maybe that'll work. And you know, you do more shoulder touching. You get a little closer. You rub a thigh. You you do things that are a little more intimate than right. I've been. You, you try. You plant more seeds. Yeah. And you then you water the seed and then you hope the seed sprouts. Yeah, I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't just go lay on a couch and just take your dick out and be like, there it is. Because like, she's going to be like, Ugh, no, like that's not it. And, but <laughs> if you sensually kiss from behind on her neck from behind while she's making dinner and suddenly like you said seeds get planted and I'm all about planting seeds like that's what I do with stand up that's what I do with my career all the time is I'm emailing people and I'm shooting videos and I'm throwing things out there and I'm waiting for one of the 50 trees to sprout Mm -hmm. so you travel a lot for work you're always on the imagine on the road how often are you traveling for stand up I mean right now not at all but normally like I mean I'm on I probably hit I probably hit like ten to twenty states a year. It's a um, lot. Yeah, I mean, I'd say I spend overall about probably three, at least three months of every year not at home. Yeah. Uh, whether that sometimes it's just weekends, and other times it's two weeks, city, city to city, city. But um, I'm traveling a lot. Like I'm always planning travel if I'm not actually traveling. Now that you have cancer, how does that affect your ability to travel? And <laughs> it, I can't. You basically. can't. Well, as, maybe I could, but I have to do chemo every two weeks for six months, and I have no idea how I'm going to feel. So as far as my job goes, I don't want to commit to a club in Massachusetts, and then that week I'm like, guys, I, I just can't. I'm beaten down. I'm weak. I can't perform. Because all of a sudden then I told them I would be there, and now I can't. Are they going to understand? Sure. But they might also be like, well, why did you book it if you knew you had cancer and you knew you were going to go through this? So I'm just not, at least until I'm halfway through treatment, I'm not planning anything. Okay. Anything at all. Other than like stuff locally, you know? Um, I, my, we were going to go, we were looking for a huge trip. Um, we wanted, we really wanted to go to the Maldives. Um, but it's 
just not in the cards right now. And, you know, we were just supposed to be at we – I keep saying supposed to. We were not supposed to be at Burning Man. Obviously, we were not supposed to be at Burning Man. Um, we wanted to be at Burning Man. Right. But extenuating circumstances said, Alex, maybe you shouldn't go to the most hostile environment in the world right now yeah. and party your face off with 80,000 people. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have cancer, and I would have died at Burning Man regardless. Like, I – I'm a, I, everyone always is like, you would love Burning Man. And I'm like, I, I get it from the outside that I would love Burning Man. Mm-hmm. I like mushrooms. I like people. I like feeling things. I like spiritual growth that doesn't require a lot of me. And I like, you know, like, I like new experiences and all that shit. I don't like dust. I don't want to lay down on the, on the dirt. I don't want to be yep. hot. I don't want to yep. be on drugs uncomfortable. There's a lot of that. and I, mean, I want to shit in a bathroom with my squatty potty. I don't want to be uncomfortable, okay? Yeah, I lived in a be. hut when I was 20. I did it, okay? <laughs> I don't want to do this now. I'm yeah. in my 30s, and I'm bougie. I hear you. I'm Burning sorry. Work. No, it takes, it's not comfortable, but that's also why it becomes so magical. Yeah. It's because there's these moments of pure pain and misery that lead then to these moments where you have this epiphany and you're looking at the most beautiful art piece and you're wondering how they ever put this thing together and it's just inspiring you in so many ways and then you have, suddenly have a mental breakdown because you just like are crying over something that happened. Like, it, yeah. there's all that. But so, we're just really like, at this point, I've canceled every festival that I normally do because I work at a lot of festivals like as a comedian and things like that. I'm not doing any of it. And I'm basically, this is the hardest part, is stay still and heal, mm-hmm. right? Because I my whole life is go, go, go as fast as I can. And now everyone's like, slow down, breathe, just work your way through this and then you can go again, you know, but I'm not used to staying still. My wife and I, we thrive on separation. Like people ask me that all the time. I, I mean this, I mean this in the best way. Look, we have been together a long time. We have an incredible relationship, but what keeps us strong is the fact that a couple weekends a month, she gets the place to herself. I'm out in, I'm out in, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma, or yeah. wherever the fuck. And she, we both enjoy our time apart yeah. because it makes our time together better. Mm-hmm. The reason why her and I have never broken up is because we take so much time away from each other right. where she can do whatever she, in those, if she's walking around the house naked, doing yoga, just cuddling pugs, seeing friends, going to brunch, doing her work, that's fine. And I'll be out on the road, masturbating in hotel rooms, seeing tourist attractions. Whatever it may be. Thank you for that image. Yeah, of course. I mean, you, you know, I mean. Um, I mean, your body is like having its own pandemic right now where it needs to just stay still and chill. Yeah, that's what a lot of people are like. Well, you did good through the pandemic. I'm like, I I survived. I, I lasted through it. I wouldn't say I thrived yeah. through it by any means. But yeah, so I do. So you're just not traveling right now. Yeah, because I just don't want to put myself in a position well, where I suddenly will feel like shit. And I don't know what chemo is going to do to me. Like, I'm not a puker, but that doesn't mean I won't feel super fucking nauseous. Maybe yeah. I will throw up. Yeah. And, th- like, at a time like this, like, yeah, maybe I'll go to Hawaii for a week when I'm, like, four months into it and yeah. realize that I feel pretty good. Something like that. But... I can't plan work because I do not want to let anyone down and make promises that suddenly I won't be able to deliver on. That's fair. You haven't started chemo yet? That starts uh, this week. 
So I get my, I have a surgery on Monday. Uh, so it's currently Saturday for the, uh, it's, I have surgery on, on two days. They're putting in a port calf So they put in this little port under your skin and your chest um, that basically then the chemo link port just like blinks directly to it. And so it makes it much easier so they don't have to like, like go in every single time. And so I have that surgery on Monday and then I can start chemo basically immediately. Okay. And then, yeah. And then it's every two weeks for six months. That's and psychotic. That's a long fucking time. And that's because of how advanced it is. So, like, my mom did three chemo treatments total, and she only did it every three to four weeks, and she was good with her breast cancer. Me, they have a lot more stuff to get out of me. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot more self-care and a lot, you know, I'm going to be doing a lot on my own along with the chemo, but. What are your symptoms right now? Uh, oh, I mean, obviously enlarged lymph nodes. So my neck is like double the size that it normally is. You look like Joe Rogan. Yes. That's yeah. what so many people were like, wow, you got jacked. I'm yeah, like, no, those, look- are, those are malignant tumors, everybody. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, you can see them in there. Wow. Oh, yeah. They're everywhere. Um, so those Have are- you tried doing hallucinogens and talking to them? So here's the thing. Psychedelics <laughs> have been calling me pretty hard lately. Cause, and I will do them at some point throughout this. My wife was extremely concerned about me doing – because I love doing solo psychedelic trips where I just go through it on my own. And, yeah, like you said, talk to them, right? She thinks that I'm going to be – she's a little concerned that I'm going to be so hyper aware of what's going on in my body that it might freak me out more than be any sort of catharsis. Okay, that's fair. I think I'm pretty strong-willed in my, and I know when I'm tripping, like, what I'm going through. And I think I do just kind of need to, like, have that experience of, like, hey, I know I'm going to be okay. Let me just let my body kind of speak to me through these, you know, psychedelics and see what happens. But I I haven't gotten there quite yet. Like, I mean, I you know, I'm sitting, I have stuff at home ready to go, and I've been thinking about... I've been thinking about acid, mushrooms, DMT, about doing one of these. I just, right now, I'm not quite ready yet. And I think sometime in this chemo process, I will be. But right now, I'm like, not quite yet. Okay, I feel that. Um, All right, so, well, okay. So I guess the answer is you're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere right now. I mean, yeah, I'm on a traveling podcast where it's like, I can't travel. No, 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 but what's your, like, when you beat this and you will when yeah. when um what's like your bucket list you're like okay now i've you know the hack thing is like i've i've you know beat death and now i want to go do all the thing whatever do you have that experience or you're like i don't know it's just a fucking cancer and i'll beat it and go back to my normal life well somebody said to me recently another comedian was like you it seems like you were already living like you had, like you were on borrowed time. You like, do give me like post-cancer glow vibes yeah. as your personality. You do, you kind of, your personality at rest is like guy who had a near-death experience a few times. Yeah, I'm a little scared about what I'm going to be like on the other side of this because I was already pretty positive You're and optimistic. You're going to be a cult leader after I this. I very well might be. Yeah. And I might be one of those people that's like, oh my God, I've never experienced a glass of water like this. You can't just drink it. You have to feel every drop. And everyone's going to be like, I wish the cancer got him. He's so fucking annoying. Oh, for sure they will be. (laughs) Um, But no, I mean, I still, there are, there's there's plenty of things I want to do in my career. And there's still so many places I want to see. Like, honestly, I'm never more 
present than when I am either on stage or traveling because there are times I have I, I'm in a place where when I'm traveling everything is new and I'm just soaking it all in I'm walking around cities neighborhoods of places that I've never been so I want to look at everything and my brain is on fire and I do my best writing when I'm traveling so I really I mean bucket list I was supposed to go to Japan in 2020 um, and I Japan is very high on my list I've uh, I've never been and I really really want to go um, the Maldives were high on my list uh, Scandinavia is high on my list although my wife does hates the idea of a winter vacation and I think it's so cool. I do too. I want to go like dog sledding and yeah. I want to take that cool. I just did a, I did an episode with this girl who lives in Siberia and that sounds so sick. Yeah. Like Siberia sounds incredible. Negative 50 degrees. Yeah. I, I mean, just want to know what that feels like. For sure. My brother lives, I mean, my brother is a park ranger in Denali. Him and his wife, they live up there. That's and he experiences those kind of temperatures sometimes. So cool. And I've been up there, a I was up there earlier this year, but I was there in like Mar, at, yeah, in March. Uh, I went directly, I did my bachelor party in Las Vegas, like 36 hour sprint through Vegas with 15 friends doing all the fucking drugs they possibly could and then immediately got on a plane and flew to Alaska to decompress in the middle of fucking nowhere. Wait, what? Tell yeah. me more about this. Uh, I mean, it was kind of like, people thought I was crazy. They're like, how are you going to go straight to Alaska from Vegas? Like, won't you be exhausted? I was like, can you think of a better place to go after Vegas? What, was Ve was Alaska for, like, shows or something? Or I was, just... Yeah, I, so I'd been booked there to go oh, do shows. Okay. But then I said, hey, the way this works out with my bachelor party, I have five days in between my bachelor party and these shows. Let me come visit. Let me go visit my brother for those four days so I can just get like detoxify in the most pure environment possible because where he lives, it's a little town called Healy. There's a thousand people in the town. It's right outside of Denali and it's, it's like two hours from Anchorage and like three to four or two hours from Fairbanks, three to four from Anchorage. So they're in the middle of, Nothing. That's basically. That's, I'm sure it was gorgeous. Amazing. So what do you do there? What do you do in what, Healy? Yeah. What do you do in Healy? Uh, did some cross country skiing. That's fine. Um, did uh, a lot of just like you know outdoorsy stuff. He uh, he uh, he. I eat a lot of fresh moose and salmon that was like just like like him and his wife are part of the roadkill list up there. So anytime like a moose or a caribou gets hit. They get a phone call, and if they want to go take care of it, they basically they 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 chop, they skin it, they quarter it, they chop it all up, and they'll get like two hundred pounds of meat. That is so cool. That they just freeze, and so literally, I'm eating like fresh moose steaks every day, Pretty and sick. like it was great. And for the most part, I just relaxed and breathed in the super fresh air. I ran around with his dog. We, you know, we. Had a great time. That sounds was, dope. Where, where in Vegas did you stay for your bachelor party? Uh, we were in downtown Vegas, uh, which I had never done before. Uh, my friend Tucker has a great apartment there. So we stayed in a hotel right across the street. I think it was the El Dorado, it was called. And we just did all, you know, we went out. We went out to clubs. We went out to great dinners. We went to Meow Wolf. Uh, we just did, like, you know, basically. And we just 15, just 15 dudes just running around and I was basically like I like the clubs we went to were like they weren't like the poshy Vegas clubs like we went to like the dirty like disco places which like what was, can you give us like disco pussy as in downtown Vegas is a great house club like a lot of my friend DJ friends play there 
And so everywhere we're going, it's so funny because like we're the people that I fucking hate when I go out. Where I'm just like, God damn it, this group of 15 dudes just wants to come here. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. Now my friends are not bro energy or anything. But f- a pack of 15 dudes in any in any context is Especially bachelor party because we're all fucking tuned up. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. We went to a concert. We saw uh, this uh, house producer, Elderbrook, that I love. Um, and yeah, I mean, just great food and great companionship and just not... I only slept for three hours out of the 36. Jesus Christ. I mean, I was just... I got on that plane as fucked up as could be. Like, I walked in. It sounds and, like my hell of a, I would die. I you would, know, it's funny. I, so I get off, I, I, I get to the airport. It's like 6 a.m. I'm flying. I have a one-hour flight from Vegas to L.A., and then I'm going to Alaska later that night. And I get on the, I go to get to the airport. I've been doing so much coke, so much K, just like loading myself up before I get on the plane. Because I was like, fuck it. It's my bachelor party. I don't care. I go to the airport. I'm wearing a giant pink highlighter, pink, yellow, uh, a pink and yellow fur coat. And uh, I, I show up to the airport and I go to the clear station and to sign it. And the guy was like, hey, uh, I was like, my eyes aren't scanning and I looked in a mirror and it's because they're the size of fucking bowling balls. Oh so my the clear God. thing couldn't scan my eyes and the clear guy is like, I'm going to help you in one second. I just have to help this lady. Is that okay? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. He's like, you're not going to like roast me if I do this. If I, and I was like, no. And he's like, I know who you are. You're great. And I was like, okay, cool. So then I felt like a fucking super rock star. Yeah. Because I'm wearing this, you know, I'm all fucking in a giant fur coat walking out of Las Vegas in a 6 a.m. flight where everyone's just destroyed. Paid for an upgrade so I could be in first class. I was like, I'm fucking going for yeah, this. Yeah, it's your like, fucking bachelor party. Let's go. And then you had your wedding in Mexico? Yeah, what and was, then a what month was, later. What was the cho- the decision to have it in Mexico? Because we couldn't book it in L.A. Because it was like we 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 got engaged January 2020, and it was amazing. We got engaged in Hawaii on a on a friend's 40th birthday party trip. There were 14 of us out there, so we got engaged on this uh, dock in Hanalei Bay in Kauai. And literally, as soon as I did it, 12 of our friends surrounded us in a group hug. We all started like dancing on the dock. That sounds so dope. Incredible. That's amazing. Pandemic hits. We can't book anything in LA. Even like a year later, everyone's so backed up. Yeah. Can't find anything. So my wife just started looking at Mexico. Where in Mexico did you get married? Puerto Vallarta. Nice. Yeah. Where, so what, what was it, a hotel or what was it? It was, so we got a, so we, we all stayed at the same hotel, but then we got a private residence like on the beach, basically. Like an Airbnb? It wasn't an Airbnb. It's like an event space, but okay. it is a residence. But like, so basically there's this huge, beautiful grassy knoll within, there's like a 20 foot cliff to the beach and then you're like 100 feet from the ocean and absolutely gorgeous 60 uh ten, five days with all the whole group there friends family all in the same resort which is so fun but also so overwhelming because everywhere you go you see people that you know and every obviously you're the bride and groom everyone's yeah alex and Lauren you have like here. no downtime no you downtime to, you have to be host the whole time so yeah. then but as soon as and it was the most amazing wedding it was so beautiful and as soon as it was over her and i went to a different resort for five days nice. still in puerto vallarta but on the other side of the bay and then it was just us for five days in this super like the most posh resort I've ever stayed in it was brand new it just been built like six months ago we had our own butler for our room it was one of those things where for every like guest 
like two guests, there was a staff member. So you were never waiting for anything. I love that. And all, and all inclusive, which I had never done before. I was against, I was against all inclusive because I'm like, no way. I'm an explorer. I want to find the little hole in the wall taco shop. I know. But for your honeymoon, sometimes you're just like, I want to fucking eat and lay down. That's all it was. Is basically we were, we were at decision fatigue and yeah. we were like, yes. no more. It's like, let's just go up to the pool. We'll go to the spa. We'll have water therapy. We'll have a massage. And then we'll go eat tuna tartar for six hours on the roof while we get drunk. You know, like it was fantastic. Chef's, chef's kiss. Yeah. That sounds incredible. It was beautiful. Um, okay. I really want to talk about your AG, your like America's Got Talent. <laughs> talk about that. Because I, if you haven't seen it, it is one of the most incredible things I think I've ever seen in my life. Thank you very much. It was insane. And you've seen a lot of things, so that's was, a huge cosign. It was insane. Okay. Okay. For anyone who hasn't seen it, America's Got Talent, you know what it is. It's a talent show that just judged and people win and whatever. Okay. Yeah. Highly produced sob stories with minimal talent included. Incredible. <laughs> so in 2018, right, you went on America's Got, America's Got Talent and – essentially roasted the shit out of the judges. Yes. And the entire crowd, plus the judges, all were so hypersensitive to everything. Not really like you're a comedian, you're making jokes, but the crowd started booing. It got really insane. Like it was like epic bombing, but like the yes. most beautiful bomb I've ever witnessed. So it did not go well, right? No. Yeah, it did not go well. Um, I am not. I'm not saying anything. We, we don't know. It's go watch it. It went. It went so viral, though. Yes. And so, then the comment. This is the opposite of whatever happens. Usually, the crowd's cool, the judges are nice, and the comment section is toxic as fuck. This was the opposite. It he bombed so hard, like the like it was like you were getting boo off stage yeah. with thousands of people. The judges were mad; they were all getting offended. Heidi Klum was like, "How dare you?" And it's like you compliment her body. I don't know why she was so upset about it. Whatever. But then the comment section was like, "I'd hire this guy for for anything. This guy's a genius." Fuck. It. The comment section is never that nice. No. So it went super viral, and then you came back for 2020 to do it again. Yep. So can you just talk about that whole experience and like what that was like for you and yeah. what happened there? I mean, the first one, I I walked, I left so fast after that performance. They were like, "We need you to do social media stuff," and I said, "Okay, I'll meet. Give me ten minutes." And I literally just ran out of the building and and drove home and was terrified of the results because I it did feel like the worst bomb I'd ever had in my life, and it was. You look like you handled it well when you're on stage. So that's kind of where that's where my professionalism comes in. Is I told myself when I went in there, okay. If this doesn't go well, you're doing a character. You can just, as long as you don't break character, you can just say, oh, I did it all on purpose. It was just me being a stupid asshole, whatever. But the way they edited it, it was very much in my favor because they res the producers respected what I did and how I held my own up there even while I was getting eviscerated by every single person in the room. And so I was kind of, you know, just like laughing at everything, flipping my tail yeah. inside. I mean, I swear you could see my heart literally pounding through What's the unitard. What's worse, having cancer or that bomb? Uh, <laughs> no point of cancer has felt, has, has, has taken me in that same way that that, like my whole oh, body was on fire because all you're thinking is 
not only am I on stage in front of 3,000 people right now that fucking hate me and want me to leave, but also this is being televised for one of the biggest TV shows in the world. And it will live forever. This will live forever. Yeah. So I was so scared. But then when it aired, like you said, I was not going to read the comments. And one of my friends was like, Alex, go to YouTube right now. Go to YouTube and start reading this shit. And yeah, nine out of ten were, this is legendary. Holy shit, I can't believe somebody fucking did this. This guy's got such huge balls. And then everyone's like, how mean? How dare he? But most for the people, most part, yeah, 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 yeah. It I has like five million it. views or something. It's like, it went like very far. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, overall, it with, did well. It's part of so many different compilations and stuff that overall it's over a hundred million. That's crazy. Crazy. Okay, so why'd you go back? Did they ask you to come back? I asked them to come back. Because And then you fucking bullshitted that you were like, I've gone on this emotional journey. Yeah. I don't want to be this guy anymore. I don't want to be negative. I realize that I want to be all like, you know, puppies and rainbows and like I, I you know, so my comedy's different. And then you came back and you did the exact same thing yeah. that you did the first time. Epic. Epic. It yeah. was and this was one week after ayahuasca, by the way. So I'm in ayahuasca world, and I'm literally – I went through my performance multiple times. And I was – I was I, the crowd was celebrating me. The judges were celebrating me. And I was like, that's what's going to happen. Then COVID hit literally the day that I auditioned, March 14th, 2020. So there was no audience. So that part was all – that part was gone away. But I basically just said, look – Let's set. I set it up with producers. What if I go back and I apologize, but it's all fake, and we do it all over again? And they were just so into it because because of how well that clip did. Because even though I was a hated contestant, I was a heel, so I was popular for being disliked. Yeah. And they got producers get it. The audience of that show is never going to understand who I am as a comedian. No. Like, and that's fine. And that's I'm not a compliment. Doing it for that. I'm going to be honest with you. That's, that's the example of being a winner and a loser at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I was never there to win. I'm not there. I was there to win 1% of their audience, which to me was 100,000 people. Amazing. So I was like, okay, that's what I need. And then I'll hit the internet and then see what else happens. Yeah. Um, the 2020 stuff, I'm so proud of those performances, specifically the second one where I do the live shows because I was... I was out of practice, couldn't do any, couldn't do any stand-up because of the pandemic. I had never tested these jokes because I had to write them specifically for this. It was a live show in front of 10 million people, so I cannot make a mistake, and I have full lights on me and no audience whatsoever. So everything is working against me as a comedian. I mean, like, literally, I, if you don't do stand-up or have never done stand-up, doing jokes to no one is, awful. like, awful. There's just, it's just... It's like doing jokes in the bathroom to the mirror. They just it just isn't stand up. Like at a right. certain point. But do you think the judges um for like were like, oh, it did so well, we must have been wrong. So we should try to like this more? Or did they have no idea? Did the producers not talk to them about it? They had no idea. Well, I was very the, no producer Because Simon Cowell loved you. They don't know that I'm coming back. Like producers obviously know, but the judges don't. Oh, okay. And so not so basically Heidi wasn't there. Heidi and Mel B were the ones that hated me the most and they weren't there. So Simon Cowell was like, oh my God, he's back. Howie Mandel is like, oh, it's you again. I fucked up the first time. I got caught up in the crowd and I thought, 
and I didn't realize what you were doing, but it was brilliant. So then I have him on my side, and then Sophia Vergara just kind of jumps on my side because they are. So and then also I'm, you just told her how hot she was the whole time. I did roast her. Yeah. No, I gave her shit, but they cut it all. Oh, okay. Which I was very – one of the jokes I was so happy about was, like, uh, Sophia is from Columbia. If you've ever heard her speak, you know I don't mean the university. Uh, oh. and, then, and then I said, I can't think of one reason why you're on television, but I can think of two. And then I and, oh, and like and I was and they cut it. They cut all of it. They made it just look like I was like I love you, which I did. I do. I said that. Yeah. But that was not. I did take her down. But then everybody thought I just skipped over her because I didn't want. No. Have you ever not. announced what those jokes were? Yeah, I made a. Uh, there was a video online for a while um, that was on my website, like a two dollar download of like the ten AGT jokes they wouldn't let me say. So I had a bunch of those on there, and they're still on there. Um, my friend Brent Pella has a podcast and there's a viral there's a clip uh from that of me doing a bunch of these jokes oh, okay. that like i wasn't allowed to say oh. um because yeah some of them were fucking i would write the most gnarly shit possible because everything a comedian says has to go through executives so they put it in a room and they have to read everything so i would just imagine my producer like this like t- you know white woman in her like late 20s saying like Okay, so here's what he wrote about Heidi Klum. Are you right? And then it would be like something horribly misogynistic or racist or whatever. Yeah. And then I would get so they'd be like, "Well, you can't say that." And then I would slide in a joke that was still pretty, like you know, kind of dangerous and edgy. And they'd be like, "That's fine. It's not that other one that he submitted." So that's how I got away with doing a lot of shit. All right, that sounds all right. Well, that incredible. It was. It's. I know it's a travel podcast, but I, it was too important that we talked about it. Uh, so yeah, I'm happy people, to. So people know to go check it out because it's pretty great. Yeah, I'm super proud of what I did on that show because they didn't. I didn't let them work me in the way that they work so many other yeah, acts, yeah. where they put them into this box and they're like, "No, we got to play up the fact that you were homeless when you were seven and that you had this car accident." And I was like, "I'm not doing any of that shit. I'm not fabricating any story that is not coming directly from me." Yeah. I play this as it is, and if you don't like it, fuck it. Can you go back for 2022 and do cancer uh, version? So. And just every two it's years, been discussed. every gotta, two years you got to go back to AGT and uh, and do like some kind of I've you know what I got cancer and now I'm a different person completely and I don't do roast jokes anymore and then it's you got to just like update everybody. Yeah, they they I know for a fact I cannot go back on regular America's Got Talent because once you make it to the live shows, you're out because you've gone too far in okay, the competition. Okay. But they have AGT Extreme, AGT All-Stars, AGT Champion, stuff like that. So I've already reached out to them and been like, so I have a sob story now. Want to play with it? You know, like in a fun way. So we'll see. I mean, I'm looking for other things. AGT, I feel like I kind of like, I tapped that you well. You did it. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So when you are done with cancer and are ready to travel again, what are you, so, cause you've, you've been to like 35 States. You said you've been to yeah, several countries, so. 30, done, 35, 38, done like stand that. up in so many different countries. What are some of the like must have, uh, packing yeah. tips or just products or anything that you're like, okay, as a traveler, you've, this is like my hidden thing you got to have. Um, I definitely like, I travel pretty light if I can. Um, but my thing, my one thing is always 
I carried at least two extra pairs of socks and underwear than I think I will ever need. Okay. Um, that's just like a little simple like thing for myself. But I always um, – I try to – I try to have something fun in there, like maybe like it's a little stuffed pug or something like that, like something where I open my where I, if I open I have this little stuffed pug where if I open my suitcase and I just see it in there, I'm like, oh yeah, home is good too. But now I'm here and I have a little piece of home with me. When my wife and I, when we did our wedding in Mexico, we obviously couldn't bring our dogs with us, but we had cardboard cutouts of them on these little sticks. So in every hotel room, we would just put them somewhere. So it was like our dogs were always with us too and it that was really, really cute i know it was like it was adorable and like they were on our bar at our wedding and like you could order like you know that you could order like they were each on one side of the bar and our drinks were called the carlton and the kimchi and like stuff like that Very and so cute. like there's little things like like as a like i don't really have anything like great that you're like people are gonna be like oh of course that's what i should do yeah. um just because i travel as light as I can. Like, I'm just like, my yeah. clothes that I need, a couple kimonos, obviously, but then like a book, headphones, and then, you know, I'm pretty much good to go. Okay. So you're, okay. You're keeping it light. Keeping I'm it a guy, light. you know, I just like. The kimonos are. Well, they're for stage. <laughs> yeah. But they're also just for, I mean, a hotel kimono is not a bad idea. No, never, never a bad idea. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, I like, I like to have that little piece of home with me when I go somewhere. When you do stand up in other countries, like, do you find that the cultural difference or language barrier? Because I feel like, you know, even if someone speaks English, like humor does not always translate internationally or cross-culturally yeah what has that experience been like you have to stay on your toes you cannot expect them to understand every reference even wordplay yeah gets missed gets lost yeah. and things like that so you just have to be fully present you have to slow down and you have to be aware of your surroundings you have to learn you have what who am i looking at like where are these people from i mean doing stand-up in other countries you're gonna have such a mixed bag that is there because for the most part, at least at this point, for the most part, these aren't my fans. Every once in a while, like London, I had some fans come out and stuff. But playing, like Canada, I'll have some. But when I went, you know, to, when I did Bangkok, I don't have fucking fans there. Especially not then because I hadn't even done much TV yet. Yeah. So um, it's just, look, you're looking around, you're like, okay, there's like a 75-year-old woman, Fil Filipino woman. There's like a couple 20-year-old German dudes where's the intersection here? Right. So you just find relatable universal topics and you learn really quickly what's universal. It's very similar to playing Vegas, actually. Because Vegas, you go into a club and you're like... It's mostly tourists. They're from everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You literally have a debutante from Dubai next to two yokels from Louisiana that just got off a shrimping boat. Yeah. And they're at the same table. Yeah. And... Clearly, the cultural differences are going to be extreme and vast. So how do I speak to you in a way where it's relatable for everyone? And luckily, I'm also very physical and animated and I play with my voice a lot. So there's inherently funny things that I just do yeah. and don't rely specifically just on my jokes. Yeah. But or references. Yeah. Um, interesting. I mean, is it a lot of crowd work? You can, I mean, for sure. I mean, especially depending on how the show's going. I use crowd work as a stepping stone to get to other things. I never, I almost never will just like abandon material and do crowd work because I work hard on my material. Yeah. But crowd work 
brings a room together. And if you learn a couple people's names and a couple things and you could tie them into jokes later, the room feels like you're really doing something magical and on the spot. So that you, like, if you don't do any crowd work, you're honestly doing a dis- like on the road like that, you're doing yourself a disservice because you're not, you're con- you might be connecting, but not as much as thoroughly as you could be. Do you ever find like Germans to be impossible to do stand up to? Because <laughs> I feel like I, you know, I lived in Berlin for a while. And I, tried, I did stand up in Berlin. And I would just, the crowd would always be like, I don't understand why that would be a thing you would say. It doesn't make any sense. And I'd be like, it's a joke. You know, Germans. Uh, you can make fun of, look, I'm Jewish. If there's one culture I can attack, it's yep. Germany. And, and I'm also a German Jew. And so I can say whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> you guys Damn don't. I, I, it's like, I try, anyone who's ever tried to tell a joke to a German will understand what I mean. It's like, they'll be like, but that's not factually accurate. And you're like, I know. I'm kidding. You're like, but why would you joke about something like They're that? They're touchy because of their, because of their past. They're extremely like volatile in the, what they think is funny. Like they don't think Holocaust jokes will. They'll never find humor. And in I'm that. gonna be honest with you. Good. Let's have it stay that way. <laughs> I wish that the rest of Europe would, would. I feel like Germany like overcorrected, but like all the surrounding countries are still super anti-Semitic. Yeah. France, they fucking hate us. Like, Poland, I don't know what's going on over there. Like, there's not great other places. What are places outside the U.S. that were, like, easier to do stand-up, where the cultural differences were not as big, and what was more... I mean, London London and Mexico were both fairly like I was doing it here. Really? Uh, I feel like London, the British humor is very different from American humor. Here's what I thought, because all these people when I did America's Got Talent were like, uh, they're like, oh, the Americans will never understand you. Come over here, mate. We got you. And like, I was just like, oh, okay, cool. You guys love roast humor. You're self-deprecating. You'll get this, blah, blah, blah. I went over there and quickly learned that I was very unlike anything they had over there, which I didn't see coming. I thought, I was like, well, I'm very, I'm quick and I'm witty and I'm punchline packed, but I also, I perform. And that wasn't something I found much in London. I did London, I did London for a straight week doing two or three shows a night. And most people, they would just stand there and deliver. Whereas I was going all over the place. And yeah. people literally told me, like, people, audience would come up and be like, we've never seen anything like you before. And I'd be like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, like, like. Uh, You're like, I'm a clown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was very surprised. I actually put out, like, I have a 30-minute special on YouTube from London of me, like, traveling around and doing shows and things like that. And it's kind of like a travel log at slash stand-up special. But I was so amazed at how unlike everyone I was and then also I did so I judged roast battle over there in the UK and like uh, my friend a friend of mine Omid Singh who had been living over there for a while and he's oh, man, like, I know Omid yeah oh, so yeah. Omid was over there when I was over there and he goes Alex just so you know like when you do roast when you judge here like you can't go hard on them like they can't take it I was like what are you talking about this is roast battle we're in the UK they can't take a joke about themselves Dude, I said something mean in the first, like, five minutes of the show. That whole crowd turned on me so fast. What? And they were like, oh, God, come on. And I was like, really? We're at a roast battle. And then literally what I said is, really? That's how you're going to play me like you over here? Fine. You know what? Fuck the queen. I don't care. And I said it. 
spent the rest of the show with them really not liking me very much. Oh, my God. It wasn't, like, the worst, but it was definitely, like, I dug myself a hole, and I was like, I don't feel like climbing out. I'm sitting in I'm this gonna, hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... I will say, like, people who do, like, who are roasty comic are usually the nicest people. What what brought you to want to do, like, roast jokes type stuff? Because you are, like, a ray of sunshine, sweetheart guy. I appreciate that. I would I did, say. The truth is I didn't want to do roast stuff. Somebody asked me to do roast battle as a friend, and I did him a favor, and it went so well that it was just like, okay. So then I kept doing it and found that it was a lane that I was really good at. And I also realized very quickly that it was an outlet for me to take out aggression in a way that was encouraged and very healthy. So I came to love the paradoxical nature of being this like happy little boy everywhere that's trying to be like, isn't everything great? How can I help you today? And then I would get on stage and be like, all right, motherfucker, let's go, you know, and then just turn into this different thing. And it allowed me to release negative energy in a way that I had never found before because before it was, I was aggressive and I would get, uh, I'd be stubborn and have a very quick temper and it would be quick for me to just turn and go to a dark place. When I started doing roast battle, that was my outlet for all of that shit. And that's when I realized I was like, if, especially if I roast, when I started roasting in character, which basically is still very much me, but it's this arrogant, flamboyant, like uh, invincible version of me where you can't hurt me no matter what. Like I'm infallible. When I started doing that, I was like, oh, this is everything I've been looking for because now I'm being a silly goof but who's writing good jokes and presenting them in a hilarious way that feels very close to home of who I am, but it's just a different version of me coming out. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, the reason why most roasters are really nice people is because if you're malicious about roasting, no one's going to like you, and you're going to like, well, that guy's just a dick. Yeah. But you, so you have to be, it's a skill. Like it's a, it's, it's something that I have to turn on. If I know I'm going to be roasting, I have to like put on this different part of my brain that goes, think like, think outside the box, go be, be willing to go to places that you normally wouldn't and shut off that part of my brain that says, well, don't say that, Mm -hmm. you know, because most of the time that part of my brain is on. Last question. Yeah. Um, what do you hope comes of cancer? I'm trying to allow it to teach me lessons about being present, letting go, slowing down, appreciating, and really feeling the love and support from other people. Like, I've known for for years people root for me and they want my success because I try to put out this uh, I try to put out good energy to people I've always had a lot of energy and I for the past few years I've learned how to harness it and actually use it to make people feel better and I hope cancer just kind of enhances that feeling and then my intuition will get better as far as like having going through something like this where I literally have to go hard stop you can't plan your life six months out like you're used to. You can't say, look at all the places I'm going, look at all the stuff I'm about to do. I do have to focus and figure out projects and things like that throughout this 
that will get me through it, that will advance my career. Because like you said, I'm a monster. And if I don't do anything with this, then what a loser. Um, but if you don't capitalize on having cancer, I don't respect you anymore. I, if you're a performer, for sure. A hundred percent. Because this is now part of my journey. Yeah. And this is something that I can't go back on. I have to deal with. And if I don't talk about it in a way that will be inspiring to others, be healing to others, but overall be hilarious and comforting. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I want this to be. I want people to go, people have already reached out to me because of some of the writing I've done, some of the videos I've put out about it and been like, wow, I just got diagnosed and somebody sent me your blog that you wrote about embracing this as a challenge and that's exactly how I want to look at it. And when a stranger tells you, wow, I just got cancer and you're already making it better, I it's I feel in, I I feel very much in debt almost to other people that have cancer to show them that we can blast through this with a positive attitude and not let it beat us down. I had my time of being beaten down. I had months of being in a hole where I just couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I was sleeping a lot. I was not a fun person to be. Around. I wasn't me. And now I'm back to me, and it feels really fucking good. So how much more can I discover within myself, you know, once these tumors go away, what are the everlasting effects? Be honest, you don't really have cancer, do you? No, nah, it's all a ruse. <laughs> Keep contributing to that GoFundMe, though, everybody. <laughs> I'm going on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, well, I'm inspired. Everybody's listening, I'm sure, is very inspired. Um, I'm sure you're going to make everyone so jealous. Like, I wish I had cancer <laughs> so that I could be as inspiring as Alex is. Right, especially if I start getting TV and shit out oh of it. Oh, my God, people are going to be like, uh, they're going to be like, oh, my God, they're going to go on Reddit being like, how the fuck do I get cancer? They're going to be like eating all the carcinogens. I'm, I shouldn't be saying this. I don't have cancer, but whatever. You but you do, know you've what? given me the green light. Appreciate the love that's coming in if you ever do get it. Like I'm, I, All jokes aside, I, I, I'm happy for you that you are using this to better yourself and, you know, make other – heal other people. But mostly, like, you do have so many people around you who want you to win, want you to beat this. And you have tons of support. I'm always here if you need anything. And, you know, truly, like, you're going to beat the shit out of this. Like, you, oh, yeah. you're going to, you're going to, you know, you're going to roast the shit out of your cancer like you do everything else. Yeah, it's going to be a fever dream. And I'm going to look back and go, oh, yeah, remember when I had cancer? People are going to be like, ah, that was hilarious. Do you think you're going to lose your hair? I might. Oh, no, not the hair. I might. But people have told me that a lot of times it will grow back even stronger and curlier. So Ew, you'll have a fro like me. If you start seeing me wearing like a big hat around or wigs, like you know something has gone wrong. Uh, but I'm look, again, that's part of it. Yeah. Right? I, I've always looked for, re I mean, maybe there'll be an acting role that'll force me to shave my head or cut my hair or something like that. Or maybe I'll get cancer and it will just fall out on its own. Whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I will, I'll cry in the shower when a huge clump of it comes out. I know I will. I think less so your head, more like having like your like bald spots in your junk, like genital. I'm worried about this because I've had this for four years, the mustache. Oh, I'm yeah. worried that's just going to fall away like all of a sudden. Your eyebrows or something? My, yeah. You're going gonna to look like a gopher. Like some, or no, a naked mole rat or whatever. Yeah, I, yeah pretty, naked mole rat. Pretty Perfect. sick. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for making time in between, you know, your, like, cancer treatments to come hang out. Um, 
Where can people find you if they want to? Yeah. Time's uh, of the essence, guys. So seriously. Find, yeah. um, if you want to follow me on social media, you're only going to follow me for like six months, and then yeah. you can delete the account. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's at Hooper Hair Puff on everything. Hooper Hair Puff. HooperComedy.com for all my dates, because I'm still doing tons of stand-up around L.A., and that's where you'll find my merch, my blog posts, and things like that. And you can just send a message. And like honestly, every message I get right now, I take a second, I feel it, I absorb it and I take that hit of dopamine and it's been that's been the most amazing thing is like all these people just stepping up and taking all of it so well you are you are beloved and I I wish you the best and I you're gonna be fine yeah of course unfortunately for everybody else I'll be fine it really does suck but you're gonna be (laughs) fine and uh we love you love you too all right thanks for coming see you next week on globe thotting with Chelsea Frank